0: second i should uh get this jalopy up on the road in a second all right welcome to the vape week uh the show airs at nine o'clock eastern standard time on fridays and the phone lines are available to call not sure exactly what i'm going to talk about this week take it on the fly uh and just uh right now it is when we look at a calendar 10 days away from the uh the final rule uh hitting and becoming activated after the 90 days being august 8th august 8th is known as 808 day so 8-8 808 808 808 so uh, i don't know if anybody else has been thinking about that but uh the deeming rule drops on 510 and becomes effective on 808 do you see the connections? Do you see the connectors? It's all a gigantic conspiracy. All right, so uh, what other things happened this week? Consumer Product Safety Council, CPSC, uh, and that's talking about bottle caps. So there was a lot of, we talked about it last week, although I just ripped it out of the replay. Uh, there's a lot of talk about what is necessary to do bottles i actually called up the agency and talked to them they seem entirely focused on appropriate things as far as i can tell um there is no specified enforcement protocol as far as fines and penalties unless you kill somebody and then they're really going to come after you Um, so everything that is being done right now with all of these gccs and the bottles and buying it from the uh the uh right manufacturers i can't imagine the government being more effective than they're being right now because they put out that letter it's it's caused the fear of god to get a whole bunch of people everybody's scrambling to get their their bottle documentation done right that the the cpc is doing a little bit of inspections out there from all i can tell is they're just kicking along the can they're just you know knocking on a few doors and then uh what you would want from a governmental agency is that the the people that you were picking on to take a look at them without, without doing any harm just you know let's see what you got that's all they've been doing have been going wild on Facebook and uh, describing everything that's been going on and I thank them for that because the people have relayed their experiences of what's happened during these inspections and in general the, the general impression I've read the stories of you know, maybe five or six different people that have been visited upon uh, regarding their bottle caps. They, they go around, they've taken some pictures. They've said, we didn't see anything that seemed out of compliance, but if the inspector that will show the picture that will, will tell you about it, um, I think they're going to all be in 100% compliance. All of the vendors that sell bottles and stuff like that have got their paperwork all together. There was one guy uh, that I that I saw his his posting uh, on Facebook, and I guess what I'm gonna do is read it here. Uh, I don't know this guy, but he uh, he put out on Facebook. It says if uh, anyone is having issues with receiving proper documents for their bottle supplier, please feel free to contact Justin, Adam, Nick, or myself. His name is Drew uh, Drew Walsh. Uh, At Liquid Bottles, as the name of the company, uh, we have taken the proper protocol on getting our bottles documented with the CPSC and would be more than happy to get an account set up. Uh, It's been unbelievable to hear the stories of bottle suppliers giving their customers the runaround on these very crucial documents at this time. We pride ourselves on making our customers feel like family And I'm more than proud to say that I'm a member of this amazing team. Please feel free to reach out. Drew, director of sales. His phone number is 941-539-4623. Or give him a shout out at uh, drew at liquidbottles.com. And that's liquidbottles.com. So uh, people are very concerned about what they're going to do. Here's a vendor uh, that I just saw his posting. Seems like a very cordial, nice guy. He says he's going to explain everything to anybody, and they've got their documentation straight. So you call him, you buy his product, he'll set you up straight and get you going. Looks like a good deal to me. I know that there's other people. I looked at the uh, Heartland Vapes. Uh, I looked at their documentation last week, and they've got all three of the documents, including the actual testing results from the independent third testing people over at heartlandvapes.com uh, or, or I think it's .com, Heartland Vapes. Everybody knows them, I think. Uh, and uh, so there's, there's companies out there that if you're using bottles, that you can get your bottles with all the government approvals necessary and they'll set you up with the paperwork and everything will get done straight. Uh, there should not be any panic in the street. Uh If anybody is concerned or, or should be concerned, rather, I should say, it's anybody that has a shop that does not have a safety cap on their bottles. If you have screw cap bottles that you have offered for sale, you need to pull those off the shelves Uh because if they come in there and see that you have no safety cap, I would hope they would... Uh, Shake you down a little bit because there should be no reason why, in, in, you know, nearly August 2016, that any vapor shop should have a bottle that has no safety functions on it whatsoever. It's such a easy, simple thing that I think that everybody should do it. I talked to Evan McMahon uh, to try and get an update on what's going on in Indiana. The best that I know on that is that the federal lawsuit the appeal has been lodged Uh, there's another lawsuit that is coming uh, from a company called good cat vapors which is out of state and they have won to my understanding and memory a temporary preliminary injunction and they're trying to get it made permanent something along that and so evan uh started this state lawsuit So in my opinion, if the out-of-state lawsuit gets their injunction, Evan just needs to take that information back over to the state judge and say, look, here's what's being done for out-of-state people. We are simply saying that you do it the same for the in-state people. How could that not be fair? And I believe the judge would say, well... That does sound fair, and then that means that the state case will get that temporary injunction. There was a lot of people that gave uh, Evan grief uh, for uh, doing the state case, and I don't understand that. I gave Evan some grief back then. I think that that was uh, an error on my part. I don't think I understood the situation as well enough. I did not understand that the... uh, the corruption that was endemic and systemic in Indiana politics in the state house. I didn't re- I didn't realize all of the malicious intent, uh, be- behind all this stuff. Um, but I don't think I ever gave him brief for starting this state lawsuit and other people did. They said that they should not, it should not be funded. It, people should put their uh, money to a, a different organization. Uh, I'm thinking of Amy Lane, uh, who who told me uh, that the the money should not go to the state case unless it was some sort of major accounting had gone through. It was real, basically accusing Hoosier vapors of being uh, sliding or playing games with the money. All that stuff. It should be all water the bridge. I don't understand why even I'm just brought it up again, uh, but. The state case, it's sure a good thing in my book that it's there and it's created because if these, if the, the federal lawsuit has failed, but they're appealing, so that means it has a low probability, but who knows? Uh, you know, I don't know, but it's already failed once and it's being appealed. Another out-of-state case has somewhat won and is trying to continue on winning, And then there's the active state case, which is still being dispositioned. But if the out-of-state case comes in, things are looking looking reasonable right now for Indiana. Uh, So maybe there'll be some rationalness that comes in. Uh, My understanding is that uh, the newspaper is generating, uh, the Indiana Star is generating a story that is going to blow the socks off of everybody because... uh, they're going around collecting a lot of interviews, uh, and the uh, Mulhots, I think, is my understanding, has to be really concerned at this point. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, that's, I guess, the best I've got for an Indiana update. Um, hold on a second. I hear a barking dog. All right, uh, dog seems to be quelled. Um, so that's Indiana. As best I, that's a very fast update. I, I tried to uh, get a hold of one of the lawyers to see if he'd be able to do an interview for tonight, and he was not able to, but um, he gave a little foreshadowing that there should be new developments next week. So if there are, I'll uh, try and capture that for next week. Some of the other things that are going on this week are... There's a lot of speculation on what will be the outcome in the post 8-8 world. So the August 9th world. Um, and I think that I've seen different people at different times saying things that I don't think are supportable or need to be done. And... What I'm thinking of right now is with coils. A lot of people think that you can't build a coil because you suddenly become a manufacturer. And there's been some webinars that touch on this, and one of the answers from the FDA is that if you are doing a repair, you are um, you're you're outside of the rules. So I don't know how the whole question of coil building ever came up um but it is certainly something that i do not believe that the fda ever gave a hoot about and if there wasn't one question that was asked at, at one point on may 5th um uh, at the there was a uh, a question answering period that uh, on May 5th, that the FDA did, and there, a person put in a question regarding the coils, and that answer came back in a way that people think that it's manufacturing coils. After that, there's been two live webinars, and these questions keep on coming into the FDA. So all the the FDA can do when it answers a question is to, to basically give the the, uh, the pat answer, the, 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 this is the story and we're sticking to it answer. So they say if somebody is manufacturing an ENDS product, then they become an ENDS manufacturer. And so the reason why they give that answer is that if somebody imports a product in to the United States and then they modify it, they then become the responsible manufacturer. So that's what the law is talking to. Now, because of this question about coils got asked, everybody is fixated on coils. And it's silly, uh, in my opinion. And it's certainly something to be challenged uh, the way it's being interpreted. Interpretated. The interpretation of it. How people are confused and then asking. So say I, I've got uh, a, a, you know, a Cigalike, a disposal Cigalike with, uh, with uh, Chinese e-liquid already pre-built into it. And I take that product and then uh, once it gets to the United States, I stick my own label around it, my own branding. Then I become the manufacturer. I've tweaked it and I'm the manufacturer rather than it just coming as an off-the-shelf part since the FDA says that you are allowed to repair products every coil building that is done in a vape shop on a person's electronic vaporizer product is a repair if it's not functioning right and but the the coil is still there but it lights but it's not functioning right the coil needs to be repaired if the cotton is all soaked up and it's all messy and it needs to be rewicked, that's a repair because it was working at one point and now it's marginally working. It needs to be repaired. If somebody comes in and, uh, look, you know, the, the coil has fallen out and, uh, you know, it's just not there anymore. Well, it better be get repaired. Uh, it just needs to be repaired. Now, I... I haven't gone back and checked I'm nearly certain that my memory serves that a repair was okay I'm nearly certain of that Uh, but I'd have to go back to the 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 whole webinar but again I should probably prepare for these shows I'm gonna so just assume I'm right there or check me out if if I'm not right about the repair thing I'll, I'll have egg in my face but I'm pretty darn sure that a repair is acceptable and if, it, if it's not a repair, then it'll be something else I'll have to stand on. But let's use the repair. So that's a pretty disc, big disclaimer for not doing my homework and double-checking that before the show started. But any coil building would be a repair. And as I said last week, the, the danger of uh, selling a coil and putting one in a person's vaporizer is not the FDA, in my opinion. This is my view. It's that the thing could actually blow up. Uh, and what do I mean? Is that if somebody doesn't know how to build their own coil, they probably don't have that much knowledge of devices. And so if they get a, a ridiculously low resistance coil, uh, then... Uh, and they stick it on uh, a hybrid device... uh that for some dumb reason whoever whoever invented the hybrid concept is the jackass of all times because it should have never been done with the same 510 threading ever it should have been a brand new threading and then uh, it bothers me but anyway so if you build a coil and if it fails or causes a short and that yours is the store that created that coil and that goober that you know, decided to put it on the wrong things, it gets uh, his hand burnt. And he walks over to his friendly local lawyer, ambulance chaser, and the, the guy says, well, what happened here? And they said, well, I was using this device and it blew up. And they said, well, how did you get that device? And they said, well, I went over to my local shop here. And then they uh, they made me a, a coil and they stuck it in my ma- machine here. And then they, they sent me on my way and it blew up. Well, then you're going to get sued. So you better have liability insurance. Now, I have not been running a vape shop, but I... You know That scenario might not be a very probable scenario and you might have reasonable product liability insurance in your vapor company or in your vapor shop already and you find that building people's coils for a marginal cost uh, and then repairing, emphasis on repairing their device, uh, is a good business model for you, then by all means continue to do it. Hopefully that makes sense. Is that replacing a customer's coil is a repair it's not a modification it is not a tweak it is putting that car back on the road it's simple mechanics and so uh you'll have a mechanics lien when you when you're holding the vaporizer that until they pay you you'll have a lien on there and and i believe that you should only charge them sur- that you should only charge them labor uh, don't charge them parts. Uh, parts are parts are parts, as we like to say in the chicken business, if you're familiar with that commercial. Uh, but just charge them labor, labor to repair their coil, and, and you should be fine with the FDA. Now, I I just think that they're just not going to even think or want to be doing that or harassing a vape shop or whatever so the only downside i can think of and i've racked my brain a little bit is that if if some sort of catastrophic yeah if some sort of catastrophic failure of said coil occurs that whoever built said coil for the repair would be on the dime would be that 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 they you know the ambulance chaser could come after you. That's the only thing I can think of. Other than that, simple repairs. Now, today, I've heard new questions. Um, I heard a question that I don't think I can't believe, but somebody said, if I am filling up a customer's tank, am I now a manufacturer? And the answer, I believe, was yes. That's not true. That's You can fill a customer's tank, it's okay. I mean, you can't live in life in absolute fear. I mean, where, who, how on earth does fillings, taking a legal product and putting it into another legal product and filling it up uh, for a customer, I, I imagine you're not even charging for that. How could that be manufacturing of a device? It's just silly. Uh, I, I heard another question is, am I allowed to take a coil out a prepackaged coil and put it in a customer's device for them. My answer is of course you are. And I believe that the answer came back is that you could not. I'll have to uh have to think about that again. So I, I think that people are focusing on real minutia uh as far as the FDA rules and then just ignoring what 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 are the important things. I would say that. Um, we've got 10 days to go. Um, every e-liquid company that I've spoken to, if I have the ability to speak to them, which is it's very hard to get anybody on the phone, uh, could be just me. Well, I think it's more likely it's the, the the massive push now for the last 10 days. Everybody's going to be releasing a ton of products. Which is a good thing, I guess. As I went over the Peter Frampton rule last week, I don't think that everybody should flood the market uh, because you will have a reasonable chance of instilling your own brand dilution by your own hands if you push all of these products into your established, uh, you know, supply chain or you know your 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 established distribution channel. You know, you should still be launch products properly. Now that there's a big fear out there that uh, that there's going to be a rush to the bottom and and have people drop their e-liquid prices down to nothing. Uh, I guess it's been being done online for quite some time now, um, so I don't think that's going to change anything if there's more online players that are dumping uh, e-liquids. But if it's being done in vape shops, there's a real risk that um, it'll be uh what do they call it it's it's not uh inflation, but it's uh it's deflation which is which is often more of a risk uh to the economy. I think they say that it's been a long time uh but if vape shops are pushing products onto their shelves that are lower cost, their margins go down as well. So there's a risk for, it's a real risk of, of how, it's it's complicated. It, you actually need to do pricing models for vape shops to to have a proper product mix where you do not, destroy your sales by by putting in product that is so cheap that it removes your profit margin it, it does take some good retail experience uh to do this to price things right um and so if you are just throwing the stuff away or or, or drop the price so significantly you might then see your customers go down uh Because they just don't need to come back to your store. They're still your customers, but they just don't need to. So I think that it's going to be incumbent on most vape shops to be doing a better job of curating uh, their flavors and their profiles and and getting things into the store that are going to keep their customers happy and to doing all of the legwork for them so where they can come in there and it's almost like, uh, like a wine store that you have your, your, uh, person that knows about the wines and they can tell you which one is going to be right for your palate and which one is going to be right for your, your, your wallet. Um, and so that's the best case scenario I see for the entire industry at this point is that you can either, hopefully it's going to be like a wine industry, uh, you know, a, a microbrewery, uh, Restaurants, you know, something like that, where um, not not so much restaurants actually, but uh, like a microbrewery or or a uh, a wine shop or a bar, uh, where there's a lot of different products on the shelves, and then the individual customer takes his pick of you know what what floats his boat, uh, whatever what you know what the right product for them is there's another way that the industry could go and that is just pure cannibalization of the industry uh and a race to the bottom and um you know there, there's uh you know i i watched some of these videos uh that phil brissardo put out from molecule labs uh where they uh, on the Phil Brissardo interview and if you want to watch these uh, interviews with Molecule Labs uh, just go over to uh, Phil Bersardo, uh, P. Brissardo on YouTube and you can watch the, uh, the, the, uh, the videos. What, what he was saying in the video is that uh, he's got 40 customers now and he expects in a few years that he's only going to have like 10 customers. So the obvious question is what happens to those other 30 customers? and then later on in the video he's talking about uh how this is going to become a mature industry where where nickels matter where pennies matter where fractions of a penny matter uh in the manufacturing and so if if the whole market is flooded i think uh it could be a scenario that that I think uh, many people could be familiar with, so I'll I'll use this one. It could be like what happened with the uh, Atari 2600 cartridges. Now, most of you listening to this probably are not familiar with this um, because you're too young. But you probably could be familiar with it because your video game fans and you've read about the the lore of the the 2600 so i think it'll work so what happened with the the atari 2600 came out it was the only game in town actually there was a company called fairchild that put out a uh video game machine fairchild was the parent company of intel national semiconductor texas instruments and all sorts of things but they put out a a box long story short the Atari 2600 was the only video game machine that was for the home. So everybody loved it. It all worked. And, uh, Atari was actually the best brand maker of, uh, of, uh, video games. If in the arcades, they had really good video games. Uh, they just, there was just a level. uh, And, uh, I, I grew up near Merlin's castle, which, uh, was uh, near the Swensons uh, at El Paseo de Saratoga, uh, so I actually got to beta test uh, so the original Missile Command, uh, which was fun. So, uh, long story short, again, um, what killed the Atari Twenty Six Hundred was a abundance of crappy games. Uh, the video game industry was just starting off. It was a great machine. It was a great platform. Everything could keep on going. But what happened is that Atari did not have a very good control quality control process on third-party manufacturers that they allowed to make cartridges for the machine. So what happened, there was an abundance of crappy games. So the consumers went over and they put Placed their hard-earned money on things that look exactly like e-liquids, which were remarkably artistic boxes, uh, which made the game look incredibly fun to play. But inside of it was just a, you know, a cartridge that the game played. You know, uh, what is now done on a wa- And I, it's it, you'd have to. You, it's incredible how those how bad the graphics were but they were still good games they released terrible terrible games and so with so many people putting money and buying those crappy games their their experience became shit they had a crappy experience with their atari 2600 they stopped playing it they stopped buying it and for a period of time um the video game industry died it it how could it die? I mean, it, but it did. It, The home video game, it just died for several years at least. And that was just the abundance of crap games that came out. And so the same thing, this is a really good analogy. Uh, I, I didn't have this before I started talking. Uh, so that killed the industry. And so what, what ha- it was happening now is if these vape shops are taking in abundance of crappy e-liquids that are going to give their customers a bad experience you are going to turn them off to the experience and they won't return to your store and and then it also if you sell them uh you know 120 mils for two dollars they're not going to need to come back you know how long 120 mils will last me months i'm using 12 I'm also using 60 PG, PG, Um, not VG, 60 PG. Oh my God, the horror. Uh, But at 12 milligrams, 120 will last me months. Uh, And I know because the the flavor that I bought, I, I bought a case of them before they stopped making that flavor. That's one way to kill your customers. So how did this all get resolved? How did uh, the Atari 2600? How, why do we still play video games today? Because of Nintendo. Uh, Nintendo came out and they made video games, and they had, uh, the guy, uh, Miyamoto san, uh, which is, uh, Miyamoto, uh, is, is a, a genius designer, and he came up with, uh, Mario Brothers, and then he came up with a ton of other things. Uh, but, uh, a fantastic designer, but the other thing that they did is that they had the Nintendo quality seal. Which, if people are probably still see that, anybody sees the seal, Nintendo seal of quality, that's because they didn't allow anybody to make and play on their platform, they kept it a nice closed platform. Um, same thing that Apple did, uh, but because Nintendo was able to keep a constant quality of these video games that the that the industry, you know, it came alive again. So that is a real good analogy, I must say, uh, for what could be happening in this industry. If everybody's in a dump and the vape shops are going to be so dumb to, to be pushing this crap out into their vape shops that they can damage their own business and... um they can just you know so without the next thing is going to be what needs to be done to get past the PMTAs and all this other stuff um as i've said before i am absolutely 100% sure that e-liquid only companies are going to get past the FDA requirements for a PMTA and do it without the budget of big tobacco The last show, I described a whole scenario, of how a company uh, could do that. Uh, And then once that is done, the lawsuits, once FDA approvals come through, that the lawsuits will no longer become effective. One way to argue it is, uh, say, the right-to-be-smoke-free lawsuit that uh, Keller Heckman is pushing, uh, or, or actually is filed. One way to look at it is that because those lawsuits are such a threat to the process that the FDA has instilled, that the FDA is going to have to back down, and because of the lawsuits that the FDA will start to approve uh, eliquids. It can, it's a chicken and an egg, uh, as I've said before. Uh, I certainly believe that the lawsuit... Uh, and the one that I've seen specifically from Azeem is is a good thing to do. It's a great insurance policy. But I believe in all probability to a high degree of confidence, and I can say that because I'm just pulling the number here, I think there's a, a greater than 90% chance that the FDA will be approving e-liquids and that All of the lawsuits will either have pushed them into approving e-liquids or not, it doesn't matter, Uh, and that the remains of the lawsuit might have something to do with First Amendment rights as far as what you can do as represent, is it safer than smoking? Maybe you can do some stuff like that. but there's a 90% chance that's going to happen. So uh, I'll say it again. It's something that I've been working on. So I'm a I'm a true believer in what I'm saying. Uh, I certainly believe that everybody's going to have to do PMTAs. It's going to be difficult, though, if it's going to be a massive race to the bottom uh, and people are just going to abandon ship after two years. So vape shops, the only way that some of this that I can think of that it's going to hold together is that if vape shops actually organize and, and have a sort of standards of what they will run through their shops um, and to in some way hold the line against big tobacco um, and hold the line against, uh, you know, cannibalistic practices that will suck all of the profit out of the industry Anybody that wants to mix on their own can mix on their own. So, um, you know, it it still needs to be affordable and stuff like that. But, um, you know, if all the profit is sucked out of the industry, it's not going to be a pretty thing for anybody. Um, So there's a balance between having it being affordable or not. But for me, I tell you, my, my... if I exclude my hardware cost, my, my sunk hardware cost is going to be for, for a device that holds up for over a year, uh, $60. bucks. i have got an EVIC VT and I've got a, a Nautilus Mini. I've got a couple Nautilus Minis and I've got the coils. Um, so maybe 100 bucks over the course of a year and then for the next year it's going to cost me a new set of coils <laughs> so it's gonna cost me another 25 bucks for the next year so $125 for hardware costs for two years and then the incremental use of the e-liquids because I use a high-grade liquid I probably don't go through 30 mils in a month but since say 30 mils so $20 a month on e-liquid so what's that my vaping cost is something like $25 a month uh, brings me right back to taxes, I guess. Uh, that's the next thing that's a, a terrible worry is what's going on in California. So there's a lot of stuff that's going on with the industry and there's a lot of games that are being played with uh, with advocacy groups. Um, I watched uh, Joe Barnett throwing uh, what appeared to be bottles into a crowd, as the announcer said. Uh, sure, go ahead and throw them, Joe. Everybody loves free shit. So I watched Joe Barnett Of the vaping militia throwing free shit into the crowd. So I don't know how hypocrisy doesn't get any greater than that. uh, When the vaping militia is throwing free shit out in the crowd after complaining so many times. Uh, So you got dumb advocacy groups like that. And then uh, what's left to fight? We've got uh, Safada, which I was just looking at their website. um, And because uh, I, as I said before they, they still like to uh, update their website before anything else happens. They, they haven't updated their website as far as they're still in a director search as far as I can tell. They haven't found a managing director to be running the place. So right now there is no steward. Uh, there is no chaperone. There is no captain. Uh, there is no uh, even though there's a cap. There's a cap O'Rourke. There's not a person that is grinding the wheels that they have a dedicated full time job to be uh, directing how Safada goes through. There just is not a single person listed or evidenced by anything I could see. That's a problem. So when I uh, and Sean uh, from the Plumes of Hav- Hazard had a big problem with what happened with Safada, it's because. Um, there's nobody running the thing anymore it's just you know uh it's a potluck uh you know uh, one day shell hamill might be running the place another day cap o'rourke might be uh, another day uh robert uh i think his name is robert house uh who, who's uh, at safada who's you know maybe he's the president of safada on certain points in each day and or certain days of the week that robert is running everything in safada i just don't know uh it's not communicated out now. Is this a problem? Yeah, I think it is because there's people asking people to donate to Savada, um, and they're not. They they if if you have people asking for donations and memberships and all that stuff, you have an obligation to to say what's going on. So um, I I would hope uh, that Shell, um, because she seems to be the the person that is doing the most uh, right now, gives an idea to the industry of what the Safada mission is, what they're going to do. Because right now, without Cynthia there, it seems to be like an alien village with advanced knowledge and advanced skills and a bunch of cro Magnum people have come and found it and don't know how to run anything. That's what Safada looks like to me right now. Um, And, you know, I've had my gripes on VTA, but you know, I I think the two should merge. Why doesn't VTA just adopt uh, Safada at this point? Because it it does. As I said, when when the whole when I started this damn show, is that I think you need to standardize to one. You have one thing now. I thought Safada was the guy or the gal or the entity, uh, but it's not anymore as far as I can tell so maybe they can work it out with VTA I I don't know but there's, having two marginally functional, would it would be better to have one marginally functional. But if they merge together, there's a hope that it will become one that is more than marginally functional. But between two that are marginally functional and then one that is marginally functional, I'll take one any day because at least there won't be uh, so much crosstalk and people wasting their time trying to figure out which one to talk to. Let's just have one mediocre one. And hopefully, if the two get together, they'll be better than mediocre. So, uh, I don't know everything that it, that MBS is working on. Uh, I do know that about a month ago, or maybe three weeks ago, they talked about working on the ballot initiative in California. So, uh, if I can get Stefan to come on the show, I'd like to talk to him about that. Um, but, um, it's going to be a big deal uh, if this ballot measure goes through because of what we just saw in uh, in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania with a 40% tax. Now there's people that are complaining. Yeah, it's a floor tax. Yeah, it's it's a floor tax. So it's it's either you're gonna you have to you're you're gonna have to pay tax. 40% on everything you sell after the effective date. I think the effective date is October 1, if memory serves. So after October 1, everything that is sold out of your store at any point is going to get taxed or you're going to be out of business. So there's no way to avoid the tax. You can shed your, your excess inventory, as I said, and people should do that. Shed it now. Get rid of all the slow movers, but after October 1... It's going to be less profit margin. And then you're to need to do adjustments of prices. You know, there, there's ways to make that work still. Uh, and I know Chris is leaving, um, and he obviously knows way better than me. But if I was a shop owner in Pennsylvania, and then I had top-tier manufacturers that were brand names that I knew that if I had experienced vapors that they'd be asking for these brands, I would ask for customized Pennsylvania pricing in return, give them back brand loyalty, um, and maybe split the 40% and maybe have it, uh, you know, a 20% on off of, uh, 20% off of the wholesale price. So if that was split, it's basically on a $10 wholesale price. You're talking about, uh, Two bucks? I don't know. Anyway, I shouldn't do that. All that right now, but taxes are are certainly capable of putting people out of business. And the way that I understand the ballot measure in California is it's a, a manufacturing it's a manufacturing at wholesale price, and it could even extend into manufacturers that are shipping out of state. And that part I'm not clear on at all. I have to read the law. I have not read it for about eight months. Last time I read it was about eight months ago when it was being proposed. If it is to what manufacturers are sending out of state, then the whole industry is going to have to pack up and move to Arizona. So let me, let me just assume that that's not the case, that it's just for products that are sold within the state of California that cross-state shipments don't apply. That's probably the better assumption. It's going to whack hard all of the vape shops in California. It's going to it's going to really affect them, just like in Pennsylvania. And the information that I've seen, and the best information I think I've seen on this is if you go to uh, no more casualties dot com or dot org or not blowing smoke dot org. I think this is where the most information on this has been. Um, that the tax would be like 68% they're saying, so it would be higher than the 40% that is currently talked about in Pennsylvania so I don't know if anybody knows any e-liquid makers or vape shops in California, but wait a second, there's a ton of them so somehow this group of cats needs to be herded together in some manner to fight this ballot measure and the ballot measure bypasses every bit of the state legislature. So the only way to affect a change for this ballot measure is to get a big enough public relations campaign to where people's eyeballs see it. So maybe we need to have lesbians in San Francisco chaining themselves to a tree while vaping and shutting down a street. Something needs to happen that's going to get a big, major focus on this and uh, protests in the streets. I don't know uh, if any millennials would like to experience being arrested. I think we can sign up a program for you guys if you if you want to if you want to take one for the team. I I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, uh, I grew up near San Francisco, so uh, I've seen how things are done. But I mean, they there are a bunch of nuts now uh i don't i don't know how to fight this ballot measure so uh i i don't have a good answer other than uh getting on to tv somehow and and having some sort of thing but i don't know so that that's where i think the whole where everything going on with advocacy we have you know these incredibly inept uh Vaping militia guys going around, running around in shows, insulting e-liquid makers, never showing up to city councils, who knows what the fuck they really do, um, build up a big bar tab is what I've often been told, ha ha ha, that's a joke they say, I don't know, it sounds realistic to me, uh, but uh, it doesn't really matter anymore. Uh, if you've seen meatballs, it, it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It, it it just doesn't matter. All all of this stuff just doesn't matter. If they come in with the taxes, it's gonna wipe out the vape shops before anything with the FDA happens. It's just gonna it, it's just gonna hit. And so California is in in serious jeopardy um, because of this ballot measure. And I haven't heard anybody talking about it. So I think what I'm going to have to do, as this show goes on, is just to be talk more and more about the the taxes uh, and and the ballot measures and anything on on the state level, um, because the FDA is it's all locked and loaded. People, the on on next Monday is the eighth. Uh, And then everybody has to have their products done. Then there's the next deadline is uh, December 31st. There's a couple things that need to be done there. If you're a small manufacturer, the next deadline after that is going to be uh, on August 8th, 2017. If you're under $5 million, if you're over $5 million, it's going to be on February 17th, uh, 2017. So these are just dates where you have to toss in some things, you know, very simple things like ingredient listings and register your company, nothing special. And then uh, after that, it's really going to be two years from Monday before anything even counts. Uh, You'll have to file your PMTA or pull your junk off the market. It's all a long way away. Uh, The November, I think it's what, three months away. If we don't fix this on the November ballot, Uh, in California it's going to radically reshape what the industry is rapidly and uh, then you'll get uh, people going, oh, well, you know, we, we didn't hear it. Uh, we didn't know it. And so I think I'm going to need to put more of a focus on that. Everything that everybody's talking about with these child labels, uh, you know, everybody's jumping. Dimitri's famous for this, for, for the, the biggest waste of time ever, is uh, complaining about labels, saying that the FDA is really, really concerned about these child labels and nothing ever needed to be done with that all all that all that will be done during the approval pro- process either the company is going to have their product the way it is or uh, or they're going to get their, their they're they're going to fix it and and file in an adult product in uh into the FDA however the FDA still can't just arbitrarily say that the first amendment uh, is suspended because it's a nicotine product. The, the FDA will have to make a case. If somebody puts on a a, a unicorn farting a rainbow, uh, they're still going to have to, the FDA is going to have to some way say that that label doesn't cut cut it. And they're not, I don't think the labels, that they're going to be able to do it. So for the farting unicorn uh, with the rainbow, you know, the gaseous rainbow filling filling behind it, I think the FDA is going to be forced to have to approve that unicorn because it has the same science behind it as does another PMTA that was approved. So once these PMTAs start flowing through, it's not going to be the labels. It never was going to be the labels. It's not going to be the trademark infringement. It never was the trademark infringement. These things mean nothing in the grand scheme of things. The ballot measure in California that is going to what is being reported as sixty eight percent. Uh here, why don't I search for this at at the same time? Let me while I look over there. I've got no phone calls, you chicken shits. I'm gonna go over here and uh look, see ballot, vaping, taxes, not blowing, smoke. Uh, second hit was a better hit I think this is uh, Vape News Magazine Microsoft is telling me to upgrade to Windows 10 uh, before the end of the night Uh, I wonder if I should do it because they seem to have lobotomized my Windows 7 it's working slower and slower I wonder if they did that conspiracy theories abound Uh, this is an article written by, by Paul Blair uh, People don't know who Paul Blair is, I'm sure. So, let me ask, uh, just pretend this is an advocacy panel, how many people are aware of who Paul Blair is? He works for Americans for Tax Reform, That uh, that is an organization run by Gorber Novichrist of somewhat gigantic fame because... Something like sixty-five percent of the people of uh, in the Congress have signed his pledge not to raise taxes. Uh. Anyway, I I think it's about uh, well here addiction. Uh, I think it's it's about sixty-eight percent. It has these taxes have a real chance of really disrupting uh, and. Affecting everything in the industry. So, uh, what what's going on with uh, with vape expos? With does does somebody is somebody selling a clone? Yeah, none of this stuff matters. It just doesn't matter. Uh, uh, can you give away free samples and vape expos? Yeah, of course you can. You know, I've already described how you can give away free samples at vape expos as part of a ticket system that's done at the door. There's, there's simple workarounds to give away there's no reason why if, if people like their vape expos if it was a viable model before the FDA deeming it's equally a viable now uh, if people don't want to have shows because they don't think they're getting the, the payback for the booth cost, that's a whole nother story but there's nothing technically stopping these shows from existing if, if vendors are if the, the the people are still there if if people if the vendors find it as valuable enough to, to buy the booth at whatever outrageous booth costs are being asked for there's nothing by the FDA that stops them so uh, unicorn uh, u- unicorn turds uh, rainbow turds uh, don't make a difference uh, on bottles copyright infringement doesn't make a difference uh, uh, hand checks hand checks don't make a difference uh people uh on facebook that are complaining about hand checks just don't make a difference uh if uh if people are at a show and there's an advocacy panel that is going on if you round up everybody and put them into that advocacy panel that does not help Uh, insulting and and telling the people that they're idiots and you don't want to fight for those fucking assholes because uh, they're not doing what they that what you think they should be doing. Robin Barsky and uh, and Joe Barnett, if you want to go and insult the people, you know, it, it doesn't help what you're doing, but at this point, I'll have to say it doesn't matter. Well, wait a second, it probably still does matter because the amount of dejection and 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 just people feeling that they can't do anything, uh, is something that that does come out of that so there's nothing if, if somebody is selling e-liquids and they're doing their best and the only thing that people are doing is saying out how bad these terrible people are for having these terrible images on their bottles they can't do anything about that all they can do is control what they're doing and there's not that many people that have these horrific images on their bottles it's it's in the 10 percent area and you know, I've uh, I've seen this one product that is a sour product that I've talked talked about before. There's still people going after a, a product uh, called Sour Dream. I'm going to reach out to that company because I just find it ridiculous that that people are, are still with with a product that just has neon colors and a, a standardized cartoon font that people are complaining and and a lot of the cartoon font that that is used in Microsoft Word is one of the most popular fonts people make posters with it all the time it's a good clear legible font so if this stuff is being hit at just because it has memories of a convention in in uh, New Jersey where uh Phil Bersardo went off on these guys from the the Sour Sour Batch B-A-T-B, uh, a, the b- Sour Batch kids you know uh it just doesn't matter none of this stuff matters what here's what matters uh the taxes matter if states start taxing it matters and and I think that's all that matters all the stuff with the FDA, it's all locked and loaded. It's its all locked, loaded, and running. It's on rails. It's running. It's going down the tracks. If the steam engine runs out of wood to run it, it's still going down the tracks. Nothing is going to change that. You have to do what you have to do. The dates are the dates. Uh, you know, uh, if the FDA suddenly has radical enforcement, uh, it I, I doubt they're going to do radical enforcement. There's this two-year grace period period, uh, that you just have to do your, your bare minimum things to get your stuff going and stay on the market. And as I've said a zillion times now, uh, people have been lied to left and right. That hardware without nicotine is going to be regulated. People have been lied to and whatever organizations want to keep on lying to people, whatever they get the kicks, maybe they get their funding on that way. I fucking don't care at this point. I'm pissed off. I've been talking about this stuff for two and a half years here. Here's a good example. Uh, Does everybody think that suddenly that the FDA is going to regulate every single bong? That's a B-O-N-G in the United States out of every single head shop in the United States. Because the logic that people are saying is that every single bong, every single, you know, U.S. bongs uh, or whatever you want to call them, uh, is, is going to get regulated by the FDA out of... The Tobacco Compliance Act and why do I say that I say that because if you've ever gone into a head shop smoke shop, uh, uh, poster shop, whatever you want to call it you ever gone into a head shop uh, every single bong says for use with tobacco only it's described as a tobacco only product So how can you all think that suddenly that a dripper is going to be uh, characterized as uh, as a tobacco product? If you think that, you have to then say that every single bong, pipe, every single thing that's in that head shop that is designated and labeled for tobacco only is going to be regulated under the same law and that they'll have to start putting in PMTAs. Now say somebody comes up with a new and improved bong on November 1st. And, uh, maybe it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a, how about this? It's a glass bong. It's a, uh, it's a custom glass bong that is sold at, uh, Venice beach, uh, in Southern California, uh, from the glass blower guys down there. And, uh, it's a one off thing. It's it has a slightly different shape. It's so it's it's now has to get its own PMTA for that bong because by the logic that everybody is spouting out by, you know, Shell Hamill, which you know, it's just bad, stupid shit being spit out by Dimitri, it's bad, stupid shit that's being put out. If you all if you all think that all these bongs and pipes are gonna get regulated with the same vigor as you think that it's going to happen with, with, uh, with atomizers. You're just, you're just nuts. I, I don't see how you can think that. And then they're going around telling people, uh, oh, look, uh, there could be infinite variations of, a, of, uh, a, of all this stuff. So you're going to have to test your e-liquid with infinite variations. Well, No, that's impossible to do. Uh, and there's solutions and workarounds around that that I'm already thinking of. But uh, and that's that's a different topic. Uh, but isn't, it, I mean, let's just repeat here. If you think that hardware without nicotine is going to be regulated as a tobacco product, you then are saying that every single bong, glass pipe, Any single invention, and they're quite inventive for smoking cannabis, is also going to be regulated because the way it's labeled and marketed and commonly sold says that it is for tobacco. Now, maybe they're going to change the laws, but I doubt it because there's... The, the the head shops are labeling all that stuff because they know that the local laws are not going to allow them to sell drug paraphernalia. So they have to run over to the safety net of tobacco. So does anybody think that bongs are going to be regulated under the PMTA and uh, under the uh, Tobacco Control Act and, and are suddenly going to need, uh, you know, to have their applications filed? I mean... Uh... I guess we can we can uh, we can say that uh, a good question here. I'm thinking out loud here is to go and uh, talk to PAX and find out if they believe that their dry leaf vaporizers are going to be regulated as a tobacco product, and if they're not going to be regulated as a tobacco product, then then in any state that they, that does not have liberal tobacco, I mean, weed laws, marijuana laws, in any state that has a does not have liberal weed laws that has in their local head shops this device that is being sold under the banner of to be used for tobacco only, would have to get a PMTA. It's a can of worms, I tell you. It's a can of worms. Uh, so I just don't think it's going to happen that way. I do not think that nicotine without hardware, sorry, hardware without nicotine can in any way be controlled by the tobacco control act. So all of these fear mongers running around saying, uh, all of this stuff is about to get the shit shut down. And a notable person is the head of Sevia. United States has absolutely declined to answer, uh, this question. He will not speak for any of his member companies. He's letting all of this go and he's on vacation. Uh, so, uh, dimitri could easily answer this question by saying yeah i talked to uh i talked to uh Joyetech, i talked to aspire i talked to kanger i talked to smok and they tell me they're doing this uh, leaving any small grade modder uh, out there to wonder what the hell anybody that's making uh you know american-made uh atomizers doesn't know what the hell i i as if you listen to my last show, I think that any all this stuff is uh, above board and it's not a tobacco product. So that's my analogy. Uh, if you think that hardware, which is, uh, if you think an atomizer without nicotine is going to be regulated as a tobacco product, you then therefore believe that all tobacco, tobacco. Paraphernalia will also be regulated exactly the same way. I just don't see it, but we'll, we'll, they can they can try. <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, I guess the next thing is that an apple uh, that someone an, an apple uh, would be a pipe, and a penknife would be an accessory. I guess is the next way it would go. Um, it, it's crazy. So all of this stuff. I'm just saying that it doesn't matter. It, all of all of this bullshit put out by, you know, some of this advocacy stuff, it just, at this point, it just falls away. The FDA, it's going to take a long lead time. And what's going to happen is more situations like, um, uh, like, uh, Pennsylvania and, and the prospects of, of watching California get taken down in this ballot measure. So, uh... You know, I'm trying to think of different ways to do the California thing. I'm thinking of something what I'm calling a six degrees of separation engine, telling them who to vote for and what to vote for in California. I've got the specification. What else is there? Trying to think. uh um, uh, taking calls taking calls at uh same phone and call line it just doesn't matter it fucking doesn't matter the only thing that matters right now is whoever is going to fight for state taxes fight the state taxes state taxes 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 anything taxes taxes Everything with the FDA, it's locked and loaded and it's running. It's running and the companies don't have to figure that out. Uh, People have to be concerned about, you know, local things too. But it's taxes because it's been done. They've already killed Chicago. The home base of VTA uh, has been killed. The the tax for a bottle of e-liquid in Chicago is, get this, if you, there's Cook County's 20 cents per milliliter. In uh, in uh, Chicago, which is inside of Cook County, they add another fifty-five cents. So and, and then eighty and eighty cents by the package. I'm going off memory. So it's fifty-five cents for Chicago and twenty cents for Cook County. Chicago is in Cook County, so it's seventy-five cents plus eighty cents. So if you were to sell a sixty mil bottle, uh, one second sixty times 0.75 equals 45 plus the 80 cents equals i see the tax on a 60 mil if i is 45 dollars in chicago currently the current taxes on a bottle of e-liquid sold with nicotine is 45 dollars 45 dollars for a 60 mil let's just do it 30 mil so everybody maybe people are more familiar with that $23.30. So uh, just say it, just round it down $23. So for a 30 mil bottle of e liquid in Chicago, Chicago is the home base of VTA. Uh, Chicago is where they had a whole trade show not too long ago. And VTA, I I I watched Shell Hamill and and Dimitri, and they were on the little advocacy panel. And then they were uh, playing tiddlywinks with each other uh, and did a broadcast on the smoke free network uh, and had a giggle fest. Uh, So out of all of that uh, nobody seemed to mention that as of January of this year the Chicago tax uh, kicked in at 55 cents a milliliter and then the uh, you know that the uh, 20 cents uh, for the Cook County kicked in on May 1st. Nobody even wanted to talk. They didn't. I didn't hear them talk about that at all. $23 on a 30 mil bottle is what is in Chicago. If there's vape shops that don't seem to understand that that's gone down uh they're dead men walking and i i i said this back uh you know earlier uh one of my earlier shows one of my first shows you know something like how how many shows have i done here uh 23 six months but doing this gig for about six months working the chain gang for about six months here and uh 23 23 dollars uh I didn't hear Shell or or Dimitri even point that out. So here's my concern is that there's vape shops in Chicago that don't know that this stuff kicked in. And they just don't know it yet. And they're responsible for the taxes. And so when they file their taxes, they are going to get the worst audit ever because they're they're stupid uh, because they didn't know this. But they were they were smart enough to get a highly accurate point-of-sale system where everything and their inventory and their sales has gone just spectacularly well. I mean, everything is itemized. It's all in there. It's an app. You know, we check out and you do all the stuff. And, you know, uh, Inventory Management 101 took that. And uh, and uh, so they're going to have all of this stuff which can be correlated quickly. So what's going to happen is that, let's just say, said vapor shop... Decided to ignore the state taxes, and uh, they just didn't collect them. They just didn't collect them. But they they made the sales, and now they're responsible for them. And it's twenty three dollars a bottle. So if they they didn't pass it on to their customers, but they're they're due. They're still due. And the taxman don't go away. As far as I I've been told, that taxman has the the longest arm of the law, is the taxman. And uh, so uh, let's say they've been selling. I'll think of a vape shop. How many bottles does a vape shop say? An average vape shop, let's say they sell a hundred and twenty bottles. So uh, they they sell a hundred and twenty. Let's just go a little lower. Let's say they they have to sell a good number. Let's say they sell a hundred bottles a day. That's I to go real conservative. They sell fifty thirty mil bottles a day. So. Th- that tax times 50 equals uh, times 30 so their tax burden if they're selling 50 bottles a day of 30 mils their tax burden is $34,000 a month I think I did that right Let's so let's let's make it a little more realistic. Uh well I I think fifty bottles is realistic. Let's say you've got a vape shop and they sell out of the entire day, they sell uh what is it? That's they sell thirty bottles. Twenty bottles. Let's go with twenty they sell ten twenty bottles a day. Let's do that. So twenty-three point three times twenty Star thirty. If they sell twenty bottles of thirty mils a day, their tax burden is fourteen thousand dollars for that month. One month. So I, I when when I when I was doing this show, I did the show and I was talking about it and I was talking about that they must not know they're dead. And I, I I called up a couple shops there, but I didn't get good connections with them. And I, and I just assumed that everybody in Chicago would just close their doors. How could they not? I mean, they all have to know that there's no way this is a sustainable tax. And so the real danger is if they've continued, and I just don't know the answer to this question because I'm 2000 miles away from Chicago. How could I know this answer? Uh, how many of those guys actually stayed open and how many of them are, are, are just unwittingly still selling a nicotine product that is clearly identified by their point-of-sale system and can easily be reconciled if the, through their CPA and through any audit because then they're going to come back and say that if you've sold 20 bottles a day for the last... It went in for six months, so let's times six... There, some of these shops. If if you're a shop and you've been doing, you've been selling this stuff for the last six months without passing on the cost to your customers, if you've just ignored the taxes and you've only sold twenty bottles each day, just twenty, twenty, thirty mil, over that six months, you've got a tax burden of eighty-four thousand dollars that's not coming to you. So let's say you sell. Uh, I'll just times it by six if you times by 6 so if you sell 120 bottles a day uh, which might be a big shop, I don't know what the the the, 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 ch- the daily churn rate, but let's say it's 120 if you sell 120, your tax burden that you have to deliver to the state of uh, or the city and the county Cook County in, in uh, Chicago is a half a million dollars 500 thir- uh, 500 thou- 500 Thousand plus three thousand two hundred five hundred and three thousand dollars two hundred eighty bucks uh, is what the tax burden is at one hundred and twenty bottles a day. So twenty bottles a day go back to uh, is eighty four thousand at twenty bottles a day. Maybe that's an easier number for people to comprehend. I think that if is there anybody that's still selling e liquid in the Chicago area. They they just don't know it. They just don't know it. And the scary thing is that the state has the ability to figure it out. And sorry, not the state, but the the city and county has the ability to figure it out. Pull your business license, do all sorts of crappy things to you. Now, why do I say this? I say this because I, I say it, I said it back then. I can't. It doesn't even make a difference what I say. Uh, I mean, army of one that only goes so far. But uh, Safada should have been working on this. They should still be working on this. When when Shell Hamill and, and Dimitri are playing, you know, blowing kisses to each other in the hotel room as they gave a li- live broadcast, as I'm listening to that right now in my head all over again, uh, they should be talking about the taxes. Because if there's... Well, let's do it. Let's do it live. Uh, go on to uh, Yelp and... Uh... Chicago, Chicago, Illinois. And then Vape Shop. There's uh, Highland. Okay, here's uh, just count them. Um, this one's in Chicago. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's just the first page. Yeah, and they're all still the next page. Yeah. So uh, there's at least thirty. Uh, Some of them are are starting, you know, like one says Big Big Lou's Tobacco Shop. Other ones say Up and Smoke. One says Smoke and Vape. But there's at least 30 that seem to be still alive and operating. If I'll click on page 8. And I'm I'm looking at 71 and they're still showing. One says Chicago, Illinois. Another one says Greenville. uh, Greenview. Glenview, I'm sorry. Um. at this point I'm starting to move away from Chicago itself but number 71 is smoke shop guys Um, comes under the it's both a head shop and a vape shop they must not know that they're about to get whacked They, they must not know that they're about to get the state coming in and collecting all these taxes and that's why I'm so very frustrated with these advocacy groups like what Shell and Dimitri are pushing because i think th- when you when what i was saying uh when i first broadcast this like 6 months ago is chicago expects to make 1 million dollars from these taxes that's their estimate that they'll get 1 million dollars if memory serves 1 million dollars would be the effective tax rate from one store so what i said 6 months ago is If you look at their expected revenue, the only outcome is that every single one of these vape shops has to close their business because it's one or the other. And so VTA, Tony Abund, is sitting in Chicago, his home base, uh, and it's like, uh, you know, let's, let's try not to use war analogies. So it's like Chicago was a forest and it's just been clear cut. They've taken a chain with two high power things and just clear cut every single tree that's in Chicago. They're all—they're all dead, Jim. They—they are all dead, dead, dead. Uh, let's see if I can get that clip, uh, Dave. They're dead, uh, uh, Dave. There. here. And this is what Chicago is.
1: Where is everybody? Home? They're dead, Dave. Who is? Everybody, Dave. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead, Dave. What, Todd Hunter? Everybody's dead, Dave. What, Selby? They're all dead. Everybody's dead, Dave. (laughs) Peterson isn't, is he? Everybody is dead, Dave. Not Chen! Gordon Bennett, yes, Chen, everybody. Everybody's dead, Dave. Rimmer! He's dead Dave. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead Dave. <laughs> Wait. Are you trying to tell me everybody's dead?
0: Yeah, so that's Chicago. that's uh, red dwarf. Uh, but uh that that that's the situation. Uh and so that's because of taxes. That's not you've you've been having and you've I'm gonna assume that uh that you've been listening uh to Dimitri uh and and to Shell Hamill. Uh and they've been, they've been feeding you this stuff, and you've been buying into it. It doesn't matter. All this stuff with labels and 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 this that and the whole uh, you know uh, diacetyl uh, thing was uh, so a red herring. Uh, I mean, I I think if everybody and nobody wants to use it, that's fine. But uh, the the Dr. F study was. I'm going to have to call it what I think it is now, a fraudulent study that was based off of crowdfunding and somewhat of a scam. I like the guy. I think he's a good guy. I think he's done some good things. But uh, the way that Dimitri uh, set that thing up, um, you know, it it was a a malicious thing. Uh, And and I say that because the uh, National Institutes of uh, Safety and Hazard, which is a part of the CDC, wrote a letter back to... uh, Mr. Uh, Constantinos Varsilinos indicating that his levels of the diacetyl of his concern were four times two more too stringent than they should have been. So while Dr. F was talking about 66 parts per million of diacetyl being a, 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 a the level that was too much for a daily consumption, the CDC told him, no, it should be something more like 302 parts per million. So everybody did this crazy, you know, uh, drill uh, for the diacetyl to try and do all this stuff. Uh, meanwhile, uh, people like, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Stan, Stan Glance out of UCF uh, barely even mentioned it. And so that was always the biggest concern is why are the public health groups just snickering and, and shutting up as, uh, you know, as Dr. F, Dimitri and the rest of them do the big diacetyl fare. Uh That's kind of kind of how I feel about that. Um, meanwhile, and as I said before, when, when I got so much grief uh, about even uh, talking about this stuff, it was good old Dimitri man, uh, that was saying, uh, uh, what I was, I said clearly on Kevin's show when I, I said that the, my biggest concern is the state and the local fights because things were, were going to come down and that the FDA was a slow, slow, slow thing. And, uh, and, and I, I love analogies. And I said, this one is that pretty soon. Uh, they're going to come and get you for distracted driving because they're saying that uh, if you vape uh, that uh, th- they can pull you over because the vaping is now distracted driving. That's what I said uh, two years ago well, over now. And then Dimitri went on saying, oh, no, you know, don't listen to this guy. Well, I don't. I, it's it just doesn't matter. And why doesn't it matter? I think we'll have to review because this is what's happened to Chicago.
1: Where is everybody up? They're dead, Dave. Who is? Everybody, Dave. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead, Dave. What, Todd Hunter? Everybody's dead, Dave. What, Selby? They're all dead. Everybody's dead, Dave. <laughs> Peterson isn't, is he? Everybody is dead, Dave. Not Chen. Gordon Bennett, yes, Chen. everybody, everybody's dead, Dave. Rimmer! He's dead, Dave, everybody is dead, everybody is dead, Dave. (laughs) Wait, are you trying to tell me everybody's dead?
0: Yeah, so that happened in Pennsylvania. I think that it's a little more survival than that, but where everybody's dead is Chicago. And so if anybody knows anybody that is selling vape, selling e-liquids with nicotine now there's some workarounds if you sell all zero nick and then you tell people to mix their stuff um you can try and have them mix it themselves i i don't think that's even work how uh i suppose if if all your customers are using three and you can convince them to put one drop of of, of nicotine into their thing and that'll make it three i guess i guess that's the only way you can do it but the, when i read the law in chicago uh, is that it says clearly that if you're, if you're kitting, if you're selling kits with nicotine, that they're going to tax you the same way. So if you sell nicotine in your shop and you also sell zero nic, uh, they're going to get you. Uh, at least they, they have the law on the books in order to try and do that. So um, to all of the, the VTA proponents, uh, and I'm speaking to you, Mr. Rob Crosley, uh, of Cosmic, uh, cosmic Fog... Um, why why are you not concerned about what's going on in Chicago? Why are you not more critical of what is going on uh, with 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 VTA as that's their home base and and you're going around telling everybody that you should uh, everybody should join VTA and meanwhile I just described at nauseum and I hope you're nauseated, Rob that this is what's going on in Chicago. Now, if you have any accounts, any accounts that are being sold into Chicago, frankly, I think that any vendor, uh, any anybody that's distributing into Chicago to these guys should should stop selling to them unless they know full well the tax burden that they're going to get hit with. Now, maybe what I was just looking at Yelp is wrong it's inaccurate that all 45 of those shops which are clearly listed there with with phone numbers uh may, maybe they're maybe they're all closed down now but i think not i think they're still there and so if they're selling cosmic fog in there uh, you've just ruined people's lives by not telling them that uh they're going to get taxed like that and i don't think that there's any repeal on this tax so uh this is where I'm saying it just doesn't matter all of this bullshit about labels uh, you know people jumping up and down oh you're using a trademark or it looks reminiscent uh, your packaging looks reminiscent of things uh, if anybody knows anything about children's cereal there's all sorts of things that look reminiscent of Fruit Loops but they're not Fruit Loops and they're not patent infringement they're not trademark infringement they're, they're similar but they're not denigrating the brand and then you'd have to, you know, you'd have to jump over that hoop—bad uh, term. You'd have to jump over that uh, bar, and then say that even uh, it's in a different industry altogether, so that their trademarks are applicable. I one time looked up the the Sour Patch trademark, and it said clearly that they are not taking—they uh, don't own the word sour. Their their trademark was not on sour and it was not on the colors it was on the sour patch kids those three words uh and and that was it um and they were making zero claims on the color and zero claims on the thing so they're not even asserting that so there, at this point it just doesn't matter people are getting harmed shops are closing and it's not because of unicorn unicorn rainbow farts it's not that And so, uh, you know, uh, Rob, uh, if you're listening, uh, what is the Cosmic Fog position on selling to shops in the Chicago area, which is the home base of VTA? Do they understand that the tax on a 30 mil bottle is $23.30 and that needs to be delivered to $0.20 of that needs to be delivered per mil, 20 per mil to Cook County, and 55 cents to Chicago. Because running around telling everybody to join VTA when VTA's backyard has been laid waste. So Rob, uh, this is what Chicago looks like.
1: Where is everybody home? They're dead, Dave. Who is? Everybody, Dave. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead, Dave. What, Todd Hunter? Everybody's dead, Dave. What, Selby? They're all dead. Everybody's dead, Dave. (laughs) Peterson isn't, is he? Everybody is dead, Dave. Not Chen. Gordon Bennett, yes, Chen. Everybody, everybody's dead, Dave. Rimmer. He's dead, Dave. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead, Dave.
0: Yeah, and so um, that's where we're at. Uh, So... I've been talking about some of the stuff. I've been griping about uh, some of these organizations and, and some of these uh, uh, thought leaders of the uh, of the industry. Uh, and it, it just really doesn't make any sense to do too much more of that because it doesn't matter. It's not going to matter. And uh, if you try and convince somebody that uh, the FDA is going to not be regulating bongs... Uh, and they, they want to fight with you, it just doesn't matter. What what should be abundantly clear uh, to companies that are in California is that if the word hasn't gotten out yet, if people don't do what they need to do uh, to help out with this ballot measure, which will go to the people's vote on November, probably 2nd or 3rd, whatever the first Tuesday of the month is. Uh, well, let's figure that out. On November 1st, it's going to come down to all these people going in to decide whether they're going to vote for Hillary or they're going to vote for Trump. And so there's going to be other things that are going to be on this measure. And so who's going to come out the most? Well, the most people that are going to come out is, uh, I mean, somehow we have to tie this into a voting choice that is recognized by people. Because if if a normal, everyday Joe uh, California Joe California walks into the ballot booth, and they say, "Do you want to tax somebody else who smokes?" Joe California, who's been living on uh, bean sprouts and uh, and falafels, uh, is going to uh, is going to say, "Yeah, tax smoke." So it's going to be a hard fight. It's not—I don't know if it can even be won, but uh, it's all going to come down to taxes. I don't know if I've presented enough doom and gloom, but today, the Wheel of Fortune, Cosmic Fog. So I want to find out, are you selling Cosmic Fog into shops into in Chicago? And do, are they well aware... Through their distributors or you directly, whether or not they understand that their current tax rate for each thirty mil bottle of Cosmic Fog being sold into Chicago is twenty-three dollars and thirty cents, and that tax burden is owned by them. Because if if Cosmic Fog is not informing its customers and its distributors of that, in Chicago, you're going to have people's lives ruined if they're able to collect those taxes, and I'm not sure. But I'm pretty sure that bankruptcy is not a defense to taxes. Maybe it is with a business tax. Maybe they're good in that. So that's the happy, happy, joy, joy. And uh, play out uh, play out a song. Let's uh, get something with the right mood.
2: In the heat of a summer night And I'm out. And the sound of the battle rang through the cheeks of the Odyssey. Till the last of the hoodlum gang had surrendered up or died. There was shouting in hey! the streets hey! and the sound of hey! running feet. Hey! And as someone hey! said, about hey! a hundred cops hey! are dead, I heard my mom. no sound at all, but the clock upon the wall, and the door burst open wide, and the daddy stepped inside, and he kissed my mama's face, and he burst her tears away the night she called